Hello, and welcome to a special holiday episode of Bone and Sickle. We don't have Mrs. Carswell with us today, as this is just a shorter extra episode I'm squeezing in. She will, however, be back for our main episode, main December, for our main show around December 24th. As I mentioned last time, we're incrementally returning to our old format, switching over from the two shorter episodes, which were limited to straightforward readings from various books, to a single longer episode, a sort of deep dive into a particular topic I've happened to research, like our Monster of Gloms episode in November. Throughout 2023, my research time has been diverted to the new book I've been working on, but that manuscript was completed around the end of October. I can't say too much about that project yet, except that the topic grew out of work on my Krampus book. I know many of our listeners are Krampus enthusiasts, so I'm hoping you all found interesting ways to mark that celebration around December 6th. We've, of course, talked about the Krampus here and the Pershten, Frau Perste, and the wild hunt on this show about the Belschnickel and costumed devils presented in medieval Christmas plays. But, but all of that only scratches the surface of all the intriguing folklore associated with the season. A few years ago, I stumbled onto a good compendium of these beliefs in a volume from 1903 called Encyclopedia of Superstitions, Folklore, and the Occult Sciences of the World, and the subtitle, A Comprehensive Library of Human Belief and Practices in the Mysteries of Life. The book's contents are indeed as comprehensive as that title, and from their section on Christmas, I'll be sharing some of the more interesting examples. So, yes, another reading for this episode and for our main show this month when we'll have our annual reading of A Christmas Ghost Story, but January will bring a full return to that old show format I've been going on about. And speaking of format, we'll not be closing this show with my usual begging for Patreon support, though it would still be lovely should you be moved by the holiday spirit to join us as a Patreon subscriber. Instead, we'll close with a bit of music, which I think will be a good match. Uh, you'll be hearing the scene of costumed Swiss holiday figures known as Sylvesterkreuze, which are still found in the hinterlands of the canton of appenzell Asseroden. The Sylvesterkreuze are groups of men and male youths wearing huge bells and ornate costumes who go door-to-door to offer seasonal blessings and sing these uh, traditional songs, like the one you'll be hearing. There are several styles of Sylvesterkreuze, some wearing doll-like masks and elaborately handcrafted headgear, decorated with miniature scenes of peasant life, and others costumed in massive suits assembled from evergreen boughs and moss and ivy. Today, the Sylvesterkreuze make their rounds around the New Year, sometimes a bit earlier, but formerly they were associated with St. Nicholas Day, hence the Klois or Klaus, Nikolaus, uh, part of the name. Sylvester in Sylvester Klaus uh, refers to St. Sylvester, the saint celebrated on the last day of the year. And so now on to our Christmas superstitions in no particular order. Hope you enjoy it. 
No person who squints should be allowed in the room on Christmas Eve, nor any barefooted person in the hall. To the nests of the fowls and geese in which yule straw is laid, no martins nor any witchcraft dare appear. Martins, uh, I believe, are something like a weasel in the attack fowl kept on a farm. If a stone is put on every fruit tree on Christmas Eve, the trees will bear the more. It is unlucky to spin or to even carry the spinning wheel from one side of the house to the other on Christmas. In Norway, the straws of the Yule sheaf, and that would be the last sheaf made at the time of harvest, are thrown one by one to the ceiling by the master of the house at Yuletide. As many as lodge in the rafters, so many will be the sheaves of rye from the next harvest. On Christmas Day, take twelve onions, one for each day of the twelve, that would be the twelve nights or days of Christmas, and put salt on each one. Whichever one is wet at the end of the twelve days designates which month will also be wet. Sneezing on Christmas Day is considered a favorable omen. At Kvitso in Mecklenburg, it's considered unlikely to speak of the fox unless calling him Longtail during the Twelve Nights. And I know there's a similar belief about wolves. If at Christmas a scythe is placed in the fodder, the witches can do no harm to the cattle. On Christmas Eve, set a vessel containing water outside of your window, and when the water freezes, it will form an object that will show your future husband's occupation. He who walks into the corn on Christmas Eve hears all that will happen in the village that year. Ill luck will attend those who blow the fire at Christmas with unclean hands. In Bohemia, if the good wife burns the cakes on Christmas, she will die in the year. And also in Bohemia, one should never lend anything on the day before Christmas, as it may be used for enchantments. In Yorkshire, at Christmas Eve, the good dame produces a fresh cheese on which is carved a cross. This cheese will bring luck to the house. The planets stand still while the beasts of the field kneel and pray for them on Christmas night. The peasants in the north of Europe bake at Christmas time bread in the shape of a boar for luck. In some parts of England, the belief is current that the sheep walk in procession on Christmas Eve. 
European peasants hold to the notion that the oxen are always found kneeling on Christmas morning. He who eats a raw egg fasting on Christmas morning can carry heavy weights. In Prussia, to ensure luck, eat the roe of the carp on Christmas Eve. If a dog howls the night before Christmas, it will be mad within the year. If on Christmas you take a fir stick, thrust it in the fire, let it burn partially, and put it under the bed, your house will not be struck by lightning during the following summer. And a rhyme relating the weather on Christmas to the deaths in the year that follows. When Christmas is white, the graveyard is lean, but fat is the graveyard when Christmas is green. If on Christmas Day the farmer's wife will grease the heads of her geese, she'll have good luck the next year. On Christmas night, no one should go to bed lest the witches should carry them off. In Anspach, it is believed that if the Christmas candles cast the shadow of any person in such a manner as to make him appear headless, he will die before another Christmas. In Prussia, one makes little sand heaps with a thimble for each member of the family on Christmas Eve, and whose heap has fallen in by the next morning is sure to die during the year. If a barefoot boy comes into the house while a yule log is burning, it is a bad sign. It is unlucky to be the first home from church on Christmas. That person will be the first to die. To bathe on Christmas Day will secure freedom from fevers and toothaches. If the head of the house will go out on Christmas Eve and hit three blows on the woodblock with his axe, the foxes will let the chickens alone for the coming year. On Christmas Day, take a piece of both rye bread and wheat bread and lay a knife on each piece. On what piece the knife will rust is a sign that there will be plenty of that kind of grain. In Prussia, scales from the Christmas carp carried in the pocket will keep the purse full all the year. Who eats nuts without honey on Christmas Day will lose his teeth Others say that he who does not eat honey and garlic Christmas Eve will have a sore throat. 
As many mince pies eaten Christmas week, so many happy months next year. But each one counted must be made by different hands and eaten in a different house. To eat Christmas pudding in 13 different houses before the 1st of January is a sign that you will have joy and prosperity during the coming year. At Christmas, it used to be the custom to set little bowls of Yule porridge and other edibles on the floor of the barn, together with the jacket for the Tomteguba, the household spirit, in order that he might continue to bring prosperity to the house. If a leaf or berry of the Christmas decorations are found in a church pew after the season, it is a sign that someone who sits in that pew will die during the coming year. Perhaps there are other dangers, as described in this rhyme. Down with the rosemary and so, down with the bays and mistletoe, down with the holly, ivy, all, wherewith ye dress the Christmas hall, that so the superstitious find no one least branch there left behind. For look how many leaves there be neglected there, Maids, trust to me, so many goblins shall ye see. In Sweden, to grind grain on the nights before Christmas is unlucky, for the nymphs are out in all the streams, and if they find a mill going, they would stop it and break it, or else grind it with such furious force that the millstones would burst. In Albania, on Christmas Eve, the largest log that can be found is brought in, and all the family rise and greet it with these words. Welcome, our log. God has destined thee for his Christmas fire. Bring good luck to us and to our flocks. The Scandinavians have a belief that Thor and all the other gods and goddesses come to earth on Christmas night. In Scandinavia, it is believed that on Christmas Eve, a beautiful blue flower drops from heaven. This can only be found by great patience, but if once secured and brought to the bedside of the ill or dying, it will restore health once again to the sufferer. It can only be found by the pure In Germany, it is a superstition that vagabond witches wander in the darkness on Christmas Eve, seeking to draw the minds of the people from the sacred festival. Drums are beaten to drive them away. A Christmas spell. Steep mistletoe berries to the number of nine in a mixture of ale, wine, vinegar, and honey. Take them on going to bed and you will dream of your future lot. A storm in this dream is very bad. It is most likely you will then marry a sailor who will suffer shipwreck at sea. But to see either sun, moon, or stars is an excellent sign. So are flowers, but a coffin is an index of disappointment. 
If straw is drawn on Christmas from the roof of an inherited dwelling, taken to the barn and thrashed, and grains of corn can be found in it, it betokens good luck for the coming year. In the country near Hanover, it is believed that the hops become green on Christmas night and come forth even from under the deepest snow, but that afterwards, nothing more of it can be seen. On Christmas Eve in Ireland, the people hardly go to bed, and if a man hears the first cock crow, he gets a cup of tea. But if a woman hears it, she gets a cup of whiskey for luck. The sound of church bells will be heard at Christmas wherever a church has stood, though no vestige of its ruins remain. A city that is sunk under the sea has its church bells ring, and if you are on a boat over that place, you can hear them ringing down below hundreds of feet. On Christmas and New Year's Eve, when the clocks begin to strike twelve, the doors, especially the front and back doors, should be opened that the bad spirits may pass out and the good spirits come in. As soon as the clock is done striking, shut the doors to keep the good spirits in. At the birth of Christ on Christmas Eve, the bees are said to stir in their hives and hum a great song of praise. but. One must not disturb them, for as they are careful not to intrude upon the celebrations of mankind, so man must not interfere with their celebrations of the birth of the Christ child. Persons born on Christmas Day were believed to have the power of seeing and commanding spirits. On midnight of Christmas Eve, Herod for one hour ceases to clank his chains. On that night Pontius Pilate's ghost, which has wandered all the year on the summit of Mount Pilatus, vainly striving to wash his hands, can cease and take his rest till dawn. The daughter of Herodias, doomed to spin an eternal circle of frantic dance around the North Pole, drops on her knees and rests for this single night. A bohemian Christmas charm is to take a bunch of elder and sing, Sweet elder, I shake, I shake, tell me ye dogs that wake, where is my lover tonight? Then, in whatever direction the dogs bark, there your lover is. In obedience to the general belief in the potency of Christmas night to bring good husbands to their daughters, to smear their faces with honey, accompanying this with certain formulas, words, which must never vary. A word too many or a word too few would cause the charm to fail at its purpose. When the Christmas loaves are cut, all the pieces and crumbs are divided among the poultry, cattle, and other animals that they may be fruitful and healthy. 
Some bits are flung into the streams, but the water may remain pure. Another part buried under a tree in the orchard that the ground may be fertile. The last crumbs are thrown into the fire so that it may do no damage. In the mining districts of Europe, the miners declare that a solemn mass is celebrated on Christmas Eve by beings not human in the cavern which contains the biggest load of ore, one that is brilliantly lighted by candles of a miraculous material, and that the service is weirdly chanted by unseen choristers. The Glastonbury Thorn was a great wonder in England, being supposed to bloom regularly on Christmas Day. The monks of the Abbey represented it as the staff of Joseph of Arimathea, which, being inserted by him in the ground, had miraculously sprouted into a living tree. In Germany, if at Christmas a woman boils green kale and conceals the ladle with which she has stirred it under her apron and goes to the church door just as the priest is saying the Pater Noster, she will discover who are the witches of the place. They will be known by the extraordinary headgear which is invisible to all but her. She must only stay a moment though, for if she remains, the devil will threaten and persecute her all the year. It is customary in Polish villages to strew straw over the Christmas Eve supper table and for the young people to pick out a straw therefrom blindfolded or in the dark. Should the straw be green, the maiden will expect to wear a bridal wreath or the young man to lead a bride to the altar. If dry, there will be long waiting or no marriage at all. In other Polish districts, wine, water, and beer are placed on the table by a merry maiden who retires to a corner with a mirror and waits until the midnight chime is struck. Then will enter a man behind her who will drink. If wine, he will be rich. If beer, well-to-do. If water, poor. But if no man appears at all, the maiden shivers with horror, for she is destined soon to become the bride of death. On New Year's Eve, the young men place themselves before the open fire, and bending down, look backwards through their legs. Should a woman appear in the background, it is the one whom they will marry. But if they see the shape of a coffin, it forebodes for them death during the year. If Christmas Day on Monday be, a great winter that year you will see, and full of winds both loud and shrill. But in summer, truth to tell, high winds there be and strong, full of tempests lasting long. While battles they shall multiply, and great plenty of beasts shall die.